you know, this podcast is the normal podcast. What scat is to uh, jazz, you know, it's it's, it's free form. <laughs> it's you just feel the music of this thing, you know. <laughs> oh boy! Do we feel the music, Tim? Uh, yeah, yeah. Music of the night. Um, uh, uh the love tonight. Uh, circle of life. Uh, just can't wait to be king. podcast i am one of your hosts uh mr tim dobbs and with me coming through the lines all the way from way up north where it got dark at 2 p.m today the lady of the night wait that doesn't sound good katherine cogart it's good to be here and it did get dark at two that's correct yeah no not surprising at all up there in the uh, yeah well that's what you Frozen signed up for north. you got six months of depression and three months of it <laughs> Three months of math. And then there's you got three solid months though, right? Pretty great. <laughs> Pretty excellent. Thanks, Cool. Cool. So as you may know, our dear listeners, here at the Doom to Fail podcast, we like to what what do we do? I think we pick a theme and then bring you several different kinds of stories on that theme. No, that that's right. not us. That's somebody else. No? Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh we do we do run uh run sort of different uh arcs. Throughout the month. Yes. And we pick one, and each show uh, centers around that. And there'll be a diagram on the blog. Yes. That explains all this. And tonight's episode Ancient Asian Robots. Crunching, cracking, creeping to life. Ancient Robots. That's right. Ancient Asian Robots are part of our ongoing Ancient Robots series. Catherine. Hey. I mean, is this something you're familiar with? Because I have done no research on this. <laughs> um, I am somewhat familiar with it, as someone might be when they do three or so hours of research on a topic. <laughs> and that's Pretty good. more or less it. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed with my journalism ethic. I, yeah, head and shoulders above um, anything I've done. I make other engineering so, journalists look like I don't know any bad journalists. I don't know any engineering journalists. Well, I'm the first then. Yeah. No, I think you're the first since you're two years older. Am I? <laughs> Is that how it works? It's like I don't know. It's like Candyland or something. Oldest goes first. Yeah. Isn't everything like Candyland? No, wait. Candyland's youngest goes first. Well, then I'm gonna go first then. And tell you that um, our ancient robots theme, we try to talk about automata, which is uh, a fancy word for something that does something on its own. That was actually a really poor definition. Do you have any <laughs> elaboration on that, Tim? <laughs> oh, I'm barking up the wrong tree, Kevin. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, 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 no, sorry. All <laughs> right, that's fair. I was really going to try, but... I got nothing. I, that was a, not bad. People get it, right? Yeah. I mean, your calculator calculates stuff on its own. 
when you hit a button. Is that an automata? I think so. Really? I don't know. All right, hang on. Okay, we're going to take a brief interlude while we figure out if a calculator is an automata or not. Automaton, a machine or robot designed to follow a precise sequence of instructions. A formal system, such as finite automation. A toy in the form of a mechanical figure. So, so basically, we picked a complicated sounding word to say robot. Yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that it is... I don't think a calculator is an automaton. Oh, okay. Cool. I'm not sure. Nah. Moving on. Anyway, so I was hoping, Tim, if it's okay with you, we could start off this particular um, podcast talking about maybe some science fiction. Because really the first step to inventing anything, like an automata, is to get the concept down. And I think that's what science yeah. fiction does for us. Sure, you dream it, so. then you build it. Exactly. So, here's a little dream that I want to share with you um, about a somewhat mythical, somewhat real king in China. It's King Mu of Zhao, and um, he's visited by an artificer he's commonly known on, known as, excuse me, and his name is Yanqi, and he walks in with this crazy robot, and it is described as follows. This is a translated edition, of course, I'm not just going to bust out some Chinese. Here we go. It walked with rapid strides, moving its head up and down, so Artificer touched its chin, and it began singing perfectly in tune. He touched its hand, and it began posturing, keeping perfect time. As the performance was drawing to an end, the robot winked its eye and made advances to the ladies in attendance. Whereupon the king became incensed and would have had Yanqi Yanqi executed on the spot, and not the latter, in moral fear, instantly taken the robot to pieces to let him see what it really was. And indeed, it turned out to be only a construction of leather, wood, blue, and liqueur, variously colored white, black, red, and blue. <laughs> Examining it closely, the king found... It's made of liqueur. <laughs> <laughs> this is science fiction. All the internal organs complete. Anyway, long story short, it has... Robotic liver, gall, heart, lungs, spleen, kidneys, stomach, and intestines. So, super gross. But, um, yeah, really interesting piece of science fiction that was around in, oh gosh, 800 BC, I want to say? Uh, I think I had 50. No, that was something else. <laughs> yep. Doing the research. What I really like about this piece, though, is, uh, well, one, I, I like that it winked and made advances at the ladies. <laughs> yeah, I like that, too. When, when, when that guy was designing what this robot would do, it's like, well, it's got to sing, got to walk around, and it's got to be able to be kind of creepy. <laughs> How well does it ogle? <laughs> um, and kill it ogles. I think that's a unit, right? Yeah, no, you have to express it. I mean, just because... Quantitatively. Uh, Exactly. Kilogles. Kilogles. Yeah. Kilogles. Goggles. Yes. 
But the other you know, really interesting thing about that piece, though, that that, that quote uh, that we pulled was, I actually like I I did do some research, and every time this is pulled off, there's actually kind of a high percentage where it's presented as fact. Um, like this was the first robot, which is kind of crazy to me. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Um, I wanted to touch on well, because I, I wonder if just maybe people are like, yeah, the Chinese, ancient, Ch like they really, really want to believe that the ancient Chinese had all these powers, you know, like the same way that people want people to believe. Um, aliens made the pyramids or something well i mean only dr daniel jackson wants to believe that in stargate but uh most likely your reference is accurate <laughs> <laughs> i've never seen that show but um, oh, that's your loss yeah but since <laughs> since we're touching on this let's 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 talk about a couple other myths because i did like that one but there's also a couple other pretty good ones oh great yeah, also sort of generally in the um, uh, the realm of emperors getting automaton that are sort of improbable. Uh, and I found these two stories about, quote, small wooden men. Um, and the wooden men seem to be sort of overly concerned with wine in both cases, you know. <laughs> vino. So around 55, or 550 AD, at the behest of Emperor Wu Chang... Uh, Ling Zhao invented a small boat that would carry a wine glass and was piloted by a small wooden man. So the impression I'm getting is you've got Wu Chang, uh, the emperor, and he's sort of like lazing around, perhaps on an inner tube. Um, <laughs> maybe something like that scene in The Graduate, I don't know. And uh, he wants someone to bring him wine because he's sort of just feasting in this pool. And so this tiny little boat comes by and it's got a wine glass in it and there's a little tiny man and he's driving Aww. it. And, uh, I know. And then the emperor takes the glass, and the wooden man claps. And this stops the boat. And what I really like about that is that it suggests that the boat was one automaton, and the wooden man was another, or, well, it suggests that the boat was a normal boat, but that the wooden man was a robot. And that it made way more sense to do it that way for some reason. Huh. Yeah. Um, and so the, the wooden man claps to stop the boat, and it waits there until the emperor finishes his wine and puts it back, and then it goes away, and it goes, you know, someone puts another wine glass on there. Um, but what was interesting was the, the story took special care to note that if the emperor didn't finish his wine, the boat would not leave. It would refuse to leave. He couldn't put it back, like, you know, with a little bit left. He had to finish it. Also, the second story about small wooden men concerned with wine uh, Yin Wen Liang, I don't really know uh, how to pronounce that, uh, he made a small wooden man who would offer toasts at parties, as well as refill wine glasses. So he would, you know, you'd be having a party, a social event of the year, and this little wooden man would come around, and apparently, apparently he was quite elegant, or eloquent, um, and then in addition, he would, he would sort of touch up the glasses. And if the guest didn't finish his or her wine, well, then this uh, Yen Wenliang also made a small wooden woman, because I guess the man was lonely, and uh, the woman would play the pipes and sing and could apparently do both at once, which is pretty impressive even for a robot. Um, but if the guest didn't finish their wine, then she would sing a specific song that urges the guest to drink more. Finish your wine. Drink, drink, drink. <laughs> what, what were they doing at these feasts that people needed to be so drunk for? 
for? I mean, was there an economic recession or something? What? Oh, so they're like trying to forget their woes or like, you think maybe if they drink more, they'll eat less? No. I mean, what do you need to cope with that you have to drink, drink so much? I don't think you've ever been to a proper feast. Though. I clearly not. You'll have to invite me, Tim. Yes, please, come along. I've got a small wooden man who is uh, very insistent. Very insistent. <laughs> so I believe that's all we really have as far as uh, myths, which I think we've covered pretty well in depth. Um, oh. What do you think? This is the Doom to Fail podcast. We'll be right back. I think it is. Okay. <laughs> It's the Doom to Fail podcast. Hey, we're back. Uh, as usual, I don't remember if I say this when I come back, but I'm still Tim, Tim Dobbs, and we still got Catherine over there. And today we're discussing ancient Asian robots. So, Catherine. Hey, Tim. I feel like we've covered sort of the mythical aspect of it, which is pretty cool. Um, I think so. What it's, with it's livers actually... made out of lacquer. <laughs> Not any lacquer, but white, black, red, and blue lacquer of all the colors. Yeah, those are the basic colors of, uh, of humanity, right? <laughs> I think so. Only of me, because I'm an American. <laughs> with a black heart. <laughs> with a black corporate heart. <laughs> oh boy perfect i uh okay let's 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 move on so uh we we covered the sort of the mythical aspect how about i mean there's some real science going on too those chinese uh folks were no slouches no sir in fact they were quite the entrepreneurs they were um quite the traders i mean you've heard of the silk road right yeah terribly interested in that yeah oh man are, wait are you being sarcastic I can never no, I actually, I'm, I think it's super cool. Okay. But that's I think me. so too, but I, that's why I was confused about why you sounded so sarcastic. <laughs> You're like, no one's ever liked it before. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so they're always trading with those Europeans, and they're traipsing back and forth across the Gobi Desert. So um, they need some directional help, right? Because you're always getting lost, and it would be nice... If they had a magnet or like a compass, I mean a compass, just a magnet wouldn't do, but a compass, right? Yes. Well put. Thank you. <laughs> but you can't have a compass because there are no magnets. Well, that's sort of interesting. I guess there just weren't any lying around or? Um, they hadn't really discovered that like how to get the magnetic property to always point north or I don't know. I don't really know. Right. Yeah. Well, but there's no magnets. Fair enough. <laughs> That's always, it's, it's, they always tell you, it's okay to say, I don't know. 
so there's no magnets, and so there's no more no compasses, and China's really upset about that. But fortunately, being the clever little entrepreneurs that they are, they invent a sort of compass that you can um, orient as you leave a city, and then you always know what direction that city is in. Um, and it's called the South Pointing Chariot. And essentially what it is, is a two-wheel cart with a little sort of thing that you can pick up and drag it along behind you, kind of like you would um, one of those red, what are they called? Carts? They're red, and you have them when you're little, and you play with them. A wagon. You're talking about a wagon. Yes, I'm talking about a wagon. Kind of like you would a wagon. Um, but it only has two wheels, and you pick it up, and there's a, like a guy sitting on top, and he's pointing, right? A doll. Not a real guy. Not a real guy. Good clarification. No real guy. There's just like a doll or a figure. Sort of an ancient... I'm sorry. Kind of stereotypical looking. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. Guy. Fu Manchu. Right. <laughs> on top of this cart. And he's pointing. And so as you turn the cart one way or the other, the figure mounted on top is always going to be pointing toward the direction you oriented it. Commonly south. Now, this they aptly called this the South Pointing Chariot. Oh, I see. Okay, so it, it was set up... I, I was actually having trouble really understanding how this worked, but basically it was set up so that you it would point a certain way, and then whenever the wheels turned, that would turn some kind of gear, which would also make this thing turn. Exactly. Yeah? Exactly. Yeah. Or, 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 I mean, more specifically, whenever the wheels turned, uh, like, left or right, not when they just rolled. Oh, yeah, exactly. So it's actually the first use of a differential gear that's been recorded in history. Now, so it works, like, you pick up the cart, turn it left, and then the right wheel is going to be moving faster than the left wheel, if you can think about that. Turn left, and the, the right wheel swings all the way around. The cart, or the gear uses that speed differential to actually make the figure on point on top turn as the cart is turning. So it's sort of turning in the opposite direction as, at the same speed. That is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, w I want to read to you from um, my favorite book. Okay. The, uh, it, it is my favorite book. The Cartoon History of the Universe. So this is this is volume two. Is this the second universe? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's it's all very Stargate. It's a Stargate-based history. Oh, good. Um, no, absolutely not true. No. <laughs> it's it's. I'm sorry, but you know what? This book is so great. Um, I started reading them when I was like ten, and the they they worked their way from the Big Bang, and they finally got up to uh the war in Afghanistan like two years ago. Literally going all the way through history. <laughs> wow. And, yeah, no kidding. Oh, man, they're so good. I learned so much history from these. But on page 59 of the second volume, uh, he discusses the fact that the, uh, let's see. Oh, we've got um, got contradictory evidence here. It says the Chinese were the first to invent the compass. And they've always thought of it pointing south. Um, hmm. That is very interesting. So perhaps they invented this chariot beforehand, but he does uh, include it here. First off, what the, year is uh, that? South... Because this guy is in 250 BC. It's about when the first recorded one was around. I don't know. I'm looking through the index now. Or not the index, the, the bibliography. Okay. Listen, forget it. Okay. Um, but the point was, uh, the reason that they commonly pointed south is because they've always thought of south as the sacred direction. 
and uh, they always tried to make the king face south in a meeting, and then likewise they pointed their carts south whenever possible. That's interesting. And uh, as you can see here... But as our listeners can't see here. Yeah, that's fine. I'll put it on the blog! <laughs> Uh, the driver says, how's the view? And the king says, always the same, because he's always pointing south. Ah, those also yeah. look like fairly stereotypical Chinese people. Eh. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no concern. Um, anyway, I was excited that that fit into my, uh, my, my favorite book series. That is great. Yeah, yeah, pretty great. So, this is ancient Asian robots, right? Um... What else have we got, though? Because if it's ancient Asian robots, we can't just be talking about Chinese people all the time, right? And in fact, we're not. Not, not at all. No, sir. Um, I mean, this is less ancient. But it's been argued that all these innovations that the Chinese had in uh, sort of automata and gears and mechanical engineering sort of led to the invention of something called Japanese Karakuri tea robots. Now, these guys are adorable, first of all, but also a little creepy. Yeah, we'll put it on the blog. Um, so I would say it's about six inches by six inches, and it's like this little tiny girl with this kimono on, and she has a, she has a tray, and she travels a, a programmable circuit, like you can tell her how far you want her to travel, like to the other end of your table, serves your guest tea, and then comes back to you. Not unlike the small wooden man who serves wine. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Huh. I guess they were inspired by one another. Yeah, that's probably fair to say. Now, these things are pretty cool, actually. Not just... Be I mean, the tea thing is pretty cool. The one I read um, actually had it so that the, the doll would stay there until you took the tea, and then the shift in weight would turn it around. Yeah, I like it. I also saw one... Uh, there's a video I, I want to put it up on the blog of uh, this... Um, oh, it felt exactly like watching PBS, watching this thing. But, um... The, uh, uh, it was about a young Kawakuri maker who learned the business from his dad. And he showed a bunch of the ones he made. And it was pretty cool. There's one that does, um, it would do backflips down a set of stairs. Really? And, yeah, and it was actually able to hold itself in, like, certain positions. Like, it would stop at points where its balance or its center of gravity was right, you know, right over right. it so it didn't fall. That's really interesting. I saw a really cool one. I mean, it's crazy how much more complex they've gotten since the 1800s. I saw um, a video of one, it was an archer, and he has like a target, and he draws a bow, or an arrow, and he shoots a tar at a target with his bow, and he purposely misses the first two times, and he hits it dead on the third time, and it's like three feet away, it's pretty cool. It is cool. He's got to lure the target into a false sense of security, <laughs> and then he strikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so from here, we've uh, evolved into a creepy, uncanny valley robots of today from Japan. <laughs> Thanks, Japan. You're great. It is from these noble tea-bringing karakuri that brings us creepy latex sex robots. It's the Doom to Fail podcast, and we'll be back in a moment. <laughs> Yeah. 
Doomed to Fail podcast. Uh, we're back, and at the end of these podcasts, we like to do a little thing, a very little thing, some would say a tiny thing, called Tiny Talk. Catherine! Hey, Tim. Hey, what's up? How I'm, you doing? I'm doing okay, yeah. Yeah? I'm, I mean, I got a lot on my plate right now. What about yourself? Oh, man, my plate is over... It, my plate is like Mia Thanksgiving. If <laughs> I was a glutton, yeah. No, but now you're you're just a, a skinny tall guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, tall Tim's Titanic uh, turkey. Damn it, um, Tim! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty busy. I this is uh I I was worried about having to record today, because um, it felt like oh god another thing. And uh, now I'm at more of a place where it's like, hey, this is way more fun than everything else I need to do. Uh, I am taking a bunch of classes online. Oh, are you? Wait, I knew that. Because I'm not? (laughs) Yeah, good. (laughs) I I wasn't sure whether or not you were doing, like, the podcast co-host, like, enabling, you know, like, being the audience surrogate, or if you're just... (laughs) If you're just a bad friend, I don't know which. It's, you know, whatever. I'll be the Kelly to your Regis. Um. <laughs> oh, you're too young for Kathy Lee, aren't you? <laughs> I am. You're old enough for Regis. Uh, I'm more of a Gilman. Anyway. Um, let's see, right now? You know, actually, I think of myself as an Oprah. Thank you. <laughs> a strong black woman. Yeah, a strong black woman. The color purple. <laughs> Um, what I'm directing currently. Right now, I need to go to a book signing, which is pretty luxurious. A book signing, like, like yeah. whose book? Gregory Maguire, the guy who wrote um, Wicked. Oh, cool. He wrote yet another sequel to Wicked. So, uh, what was the? F- he wrote there was a first sequel, and it had something to do with like the son or something. Son of a witch. Son of a witch. Yeah, look how good I am at names. So there's a there's another <laughs> sequel though, right? There is another sequel now. What's that one called? It's called Out of Oz. Okay. You excited? Um, yeah, no, I think it'll be fun. Yeah. What else you got coming down the pike? Me? Uh, pike-wise? Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, lots of big life decisions I'm trying to avoid. Um. Sure. Typical. Yeah. A little, you know, some of the, some of the gooey relationship stuff, uh. Delicious. Oh. I love gooey things. <laughs> Good. That might be gross. I don't know. Um, and, uh, yeah, lots of stuff I'm going to not be specific about, I guess. Sure. I mean, this is a public podcast, after all. That everyone listens to. <laughs> of course. That's true. But, um, I don't know. We could just turn this into Dan Savage. That'd be fun. A little Dan Savage? Yeah. Solve some issues, I guess. Politicians hate gay people. That's my Dan Savage. He's so angry about it. You know what I had to do? I, I chose purposely to not listen to podcasts for like the past 12 hours or so. Uh, because mm-hmm. I have gotten to a point in my podcast listening where I take on the verbal tics of people who I listen to. So you have been in a, in a chamber alone by yourself without sound for the past 12 hours. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's uh, Good. Yeah, you nailed it. Right on the Right on the head. that brings us to the end of tiny talk so thanks for listening and next week please tune in when we will be covering i believe lonnie johnson and his 
Uh, I want to say super, super soaker, but that's pretty terrible. Nah, it's pretty terrible. But you've said it, so that's it. Here we go. So, uh, hopefully we'll be back next week and we won't have failed yet on the Doom to Fail podcast. Bye. 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 This week's episode of the Doom to Fail podcast was accompanied by our musical guest, Comfort Fit. Discover more episodes of the Doom to Fail podcast at doomtofailpodcast.blogspot.com or email us at doomtofailpodcast at gmail.com.
This week's episode of the Doom to Fail podcast was accompanied by Comfort Fit. Discover more episodes of the Doom to Fail podcast at doomtofailpodcast.blogspot.com or email us at doomtofailpodcast at gmail.com.